Hey, what is up everyone? Welcome back to Life on the Roost. Hope you all are doing well today. We're going to talk about a couple things that have happened over the last week in watches. I think there's some cool stuff that's happened. Kind of a range. Um, no real sort of specific topic that we're going to talk about today. Um, really just want to bring your eyes and, and ears and uh, get, give you guys some stuff that, that might be interesting for you to look at. Um, I've really enjoyed this podcast. I have to admit it's been pretty fun um, this year, kind of thinking about the things that I want to talk about. Um, whether it's auction related or new watch related, it's been, been tons of fun. So I, I just wanted to start off by saying thank you so much for all the support. Really appreciate it. So I'll start off with a really great video I recommend you, you check out. That was done by Revolution, uh, Revolution Watch. Um, and that was a sort of interview gathering of some really well-known people in the watch industry to talk about uh, Cartier uh, and the, the rise and success of them. So what happened was Waco sat down with CEO Cyril Vineral, um, Alvo Montanari, Eric Ku, and Shari Rahman to talk about um, various things that relating to uh, Cartier watches. I think the video is about 20 minutes. I really encourage you to take a look at it. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can check it out. Um, but it really was insightful and, and pretty nice to, to watch. It kind of reminded me of the talks, um, kind of uh, of the old YouTube, I'll say, um, where it was, it was just a really nice sort of refreshing uh, take on talking about watches. I saw some really interesting comments uh, on the video, though, where, um, where there were these people saying that, you know, now that Rolex has sort of leveled off in prices, um, people are trying to sort of boost the prices of Cartier's, like the new Rolex and the new Hype watch. It's kind of an interesting comment from some from, from people. I saw some stuff about Cartier destroying pieces. I don't know the, the validity of any of that stuff, but it was interesting to see the pushback, if I'm completely honest, on all that stuff. I, I personally think that the people that were in the, in the interview in the room uh, are incredible collectors and... You know, a great example is Alvaro Montanari. He's one of my absolute idols when it comes to watch collecting. He's loved uh, Cartier for a very long time. Hasn't just been for this uh, for, for for a little while now. Um, so it didn't make any sense to me why um, why he would you know, uh, for lack of a better term, push this brand. Um, he's a collector at heart, and he realizes the significance and the collectability of, of Cartier. And I think that's really what it was what I was talking about. So. Highly encourage you to check out um, that video. Obviously, there'll be a link in the show notes for that. Sticking with Revolution, uh, there was a really cool um, watch that they came out with, uh, which was a Volcane Cricket uh, called the Style Moderna uh, for Revolution and the Rake. It's a two-tone Volcane Cricket, um, which really takes a lot of its inspiration from Art Deco design. I've said this before on the channel. I think the the alarm complication uh, is one of, in my opinion, one of the most underrated, underlooked, um, underhyped uh, complications out there. I'm a huge proponent of the Le Coultre Memo boxes. I think, I personally think that they're underrated. If you think about the mechanisms that go into them, it's a striking mechanism, right? And it's very similar to things like mini repeaters or repeater watches in general, um, just in a different form. And I, I think they're brilliant and. and it was a cool take on the Volcane Cricket. Obviously, you know, I think they were released in uh, late 1940s. Or 
I can actually read it here if you'd like. The handsome timepiece dates back to 1947 when it was introduced as the world's first mechanical alarm watch. It achieved this with the use of two barrels, which are the coil springs that act as power sources for the watch. So they basically released this in 1947. Had a lot of success, but sort of these watches died down, um, especially during the quartz crisis. There's a whole variety of Volcane Crickets, and I think it's actually extremely collectible um, as, a, as a watch. I think the industry sort of knows that as well. Um, I don't want to say the prices of them are where they should be, but you can say that there's enough um, interest in them to sort of create that, um, given the, the type of horology used, the finishing used in the movements, etc. So what the rake did was partnered with Volcane to come out with this Art Deco-inspired uh, watch that has a really beautiful clean dial, applied 3, 6, 9, 12 hour indicators, your alarm function around the outside of the watch. It's a really beautiful piece. I, I encourage you to take a look at it. Um, I think it's a complication that not enough brands are using today as well. And so, um, so yeah, I think it's a, a pretty cool piece. It's going to be limited to 50 pieces. Um, I think they're around 4,000 USD. So it's a nice part of our history of Volcane, pretty cool part of uh, Revolution in the Rake as well. A brand that's a personal favorite of mine, I'll be talking about MBNF. Um, they released the LMX Paris edition, which is a dedicated LMX for Laurent uh, Picciotto, who is the founder of the watch retailer Chrono Passion. If you don't know, MBNF started um, pretty recently and uh, Max Booster is sort of at the helm. He worked with a lot of retailers to sell his pieces really early on. And obviously these crazy designs were out there for the time period. And so when he had to show someone uh, this design, it's very difficult to find a retailer who's going to buy these pieces for him up front. So um, in order to do this, he went to many retailers, one of those being Chrono Passion. And... Um, it's really, Chrono Passion was, um, and I'll, I'll sort of read this off of the, off the article that I'll, um, I'll link in the, in the show notes, but Picciotto was just one of the six retailers who believed in Pusser's vision and took a chance on him by paying 30% in advance for the horological machine number one. When it was still two years from completion, Picciotto provided Pusser with the capital to survive and empowered Pusser and friends it would eventually change the entire landscape of independent watchmaking. Since then, Chrono Passion and MBNF have shared in many exuberant successes, and Chrono Passion even opened up one of the world's first MBNF labs in the world on Rue Saint Honoré in Paris in 2022. Um, so, in order to dedicate one of these pieces to Picciotto, who was a huge enthusiast for motorcycles, electric guitars, and rock and roll, um, they came out with this MBNF LMX with a beautiful purple dial. Uh, it really is a stunning piece. Um, and it will be limited to 15 pieces, which I think is um, really nice. Uh, the LMX is the latest um, sort of dedication to the Legacy Machine line. Um, and, uh, you know, with the, the recent success that MBNF has had in, in awards at GPHGs and really the success of, of having people... Um, uh, success people sort of paying attention to the brand i think it's a really great um a great uh, dedication the purple is really intense it's got this really beautiful sort of sunburst hue to it 
highly recommend you taking a look at these pictures because it really is a beautiful piece. Um, limited to 15 pieces. I think this is probably going to be one of the more rare ones and people are going to like them. Tag Heuer released um, a set of three Monaco skeleton dial pieces uh, for the Monaco Grand Prix. If you, if you didn't know, the Monaco Grand Prix for the Formula One took place this past weekend. It was a great event. Great event. Tag Heuer had a couple of events um, on show um, with their sort of uh, relationship with uh, Red Bull Racing. Um, uh, I saw some, some pictures of it on on Instagram, and it was pretty pretty cool to see. But they released these skeleton Monaco's, which is really cool. One sort of has this dark blue navy motif to it. One has a black and sort of light blue turquoise motif, and then the other one, the last one, is a gray case with a black uh, motif to it. What's really cool is this isn't actually a limited edition, so you have um, titanium. These are titanium cased watches with a different sort of sandblast uh, for each of them. Uh, they're not limited in, in production, and um, they use the Hoyer 02 automatic movement, which is typical. You are going to pay a little bit of a premium for the titanium, but you're looking about 11,000 Swiss francs for the most one, for the, for the most expensive one, and they're available now. So pretty cool trio. I think the Monaco is something that they should build on, and it actually doesn't look, remind me of anything that they've done in the past, besides obviously the Monaco that it's taking inspiration for, but it is a new sort of take on the Monaco, which I think is really important. Uh, for the brand to continue to innovate in that in that sense i personally would go for the sort of black and turquoise one i think it i think it's pretty attractive and um reminds me of sort of the dark lord uh, vintage monaco's that um that are very very popular um if you don't know verstappen did take uh, p1 for for the monaco grand prix so it was a big day for red bull racing but also for Tag Heuer, I will say Alonso had a really great race and I, I'm so glad that he's keeping the field competitive and uh, definitely shows the kind of racer that he is. Moving on, um, Arma Pige uh, released the newest Marvel uh, Comics collaboration, this time the Royal Oak Concept Turbion Spider-Man. So if you didn't know, Ben Amias, who is the current CEO of Francois Ben Amias, um, who's the current CEO of Arma Pige, he's stepping down at the end of the year, um, is a uh, huge enthusiast for pop culture. And so one thing that he, he released was the Black Panther concept turbion, which was a Arma Pige Royal Oak uh, turbion with a image of Black Panther on the dial. Now this was real hit or miss when it came to watch enthusiasts, either you loved it or you hated it. Um, either way, it really made a, a, a it was a um, statement piece for sure. Uh, I apologize if you hear the, uh, the um, uh, sirens in the background. Um, but after the release of the Black Panther concept, you know, obviously the natural thing to think about is are there going to be future editions of this that are going to be released? Well, they did it. They've released the Spider-Man edition. This time is a skeleton um, Turbion Royal Oak concept in a 42 millimeter titanium case. Um, the watch has a 3D Spider-Man character um, that is uh, hand sculpted and hand painted. Um, I have to admit, it's pretty nice that they're continuing this sort of, um, this trend. Um, it would be, it'll be interesting to see after Ben Amias if this continues. So they've used the Black Panther, now they've got the Spider-Man, are they gonna choose another um, part of the Marvel comic book series and release someone like that? I guess it's up to the new CEO and the board, but um, 
it is it is interesting to see. I think this is going to be met with similar um, similar positivity and also maybe um, skepticism as the Black Panther. Either way, it's, it is a collectible piece. Um, I think it's a concept turbial, so it's not going to be um, in too many pieces. Uh, I can look here. Yeah, so it's limited to 250 pieces. So, yeah, it's 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 going to be very collectible. For some reason, I keep thinking about you know what's going to happen in 50 years when these are hitting the auction block and people are trying to collect the Marvel AP turbulence. It's going to be quite um, quite interesting to see. Quickly, I wanted to mention the Debuthune DB28 um, Starry Seas, which is um, basically a, um, uh, a version of the DB28, just in a smaller case. It also has this really beautiful sort of wavy dial, which I think is really nice. I watched a really great video of um, the um, Watches TV. I, I encourage you, if you don't know the Watch TV, check out their podcast or check out their YouTube uh, channel. But he um, had the opportunity to have one of these in the middle. He had it on his wrist. And when you compare this to the normal DB28, it's, it's <laughs> way smaller. And, you know, I, I think with independent watches, you kind of have to get used to the fact that you're going to have something maybe a little bit larger on your wrist. Maybe not. Some independent watches, I think that may, maybe is a broad statement. Some independent watch... Um, watch companies are not going to have that um but it is something that you have to keep in mind uh but yeah so so they released this watch i think it's uh 39 millimeters in, in diameter which is um which is a step down um and based on what i saw on the watch tv video it, it really fits quite nicely on the wrist the dial is also fairly unique and i think that's a, another uh, sort of interesting point on this uh on this piece obviously you're getting everything that you can imagine with uh with Debuthune and I encourage you to encourage you to explore the brand if you haven't. Big news from the sale of the Imperial Patek Philippe, which is owned by the last emperor of China. Uh, I know I'll keep this short because I'm sure that the coverage of this has happened pretty pretty um, pretty substantially. But uh, the the um, Patek Philippe that I have mentioned in a, in a past, uh, I think I did a we did an article and a YouTube video on this, but. Um, Philips in Hong Kong sold the um, uh, Patek Philippe reference 96QL um, that was owned by the last emperor of China. Um, it was part of an imperial um, auction that they, that they did with a lot of his other, um, his other goods, um, sort of his possessions. And um, the watch sold for 48.85 million Hong Kong dollars, which is about 6.2 million uh, US dollars. Uh, it's the most expensive watch to sell at auction so far in 2023 and is the eighth most expensive vintage watch ever sold at auction. So a big result. It's funny, I, I saw some interesting comments on some of the videos and Instagram posts where people basically said, well, you know, this watch is, was essentially destroyed by the last emperor of um, China, where basically uh, the, there's this whole thing where the bottom half of the dial um, is kind of scratched up. And apparently uh, Puyi asked his... Um, one of his advisors to, to figure out what the actual dial of the watch was made out of and so the they started to scratch off the the um, the dial to see what was underneath it to see if it was a specific metal um so what you actually have is two halves of this dial that one is sort of the white original um dial color that that that, that it was and then underneath you had the sort of brown dial color and there was a lot of interesting comments that i saw where people were saying you know okay so 
if I destroy my dial, the dial of my watch, it's worth nothing. It's worth less, but if a famous person does it, then it's worth something. And it's interesting because then it, people start talking about provenance and you know how that kind of is the definition of provenance, uh, that someone, that the last emperor of China said, I want to know what it is, and, and that adds a story to this watch. Kind of an interesting concept to think about. Um, you know, I don't think people can kind of spin stories where they destroy their watches and then sell them for more. But um, regardless, I think it's a big result in a, a nice, uh, nice part of horological history. Last thing I want to touch on is Nomos. They announced um, a lineup of the Orion Neomatic to celebrate 175 years of watchmaking in Glashütte. Um, it's a pretty young brand that coming that comes out of um, Glashütte, but one that has really taken the world by storm. I've recommended it to several people as a, a great entry level watch company because of the finishing and, and, and design that they've that they've um, been able to sort of master. It's true, um, true Glashütte sort of uh, design, real Bauhaus down to all the. Um, all the details, the thinness of the automatic movement, the design of the dial, uh, indices, date, wheel, those types of things. Um, they released um, this this new um, Orion Neomatic watch in 36, 39, and 41 millimeters, all limited to 175 uh, pieces. There isn't a whole lot I can say about this piece. It's almost to a T. It's the Neomatic to a T. Some nice blue, uh, yellow, um, some nice yellow accents on the watch, long lugs, so they make the watch sit quite nicely, stainless steel case, it, it really is beautiful. The indices are actually gold, um, so not just yellow in color. Um, when you flip it over, you have a really beautiful look at the um, display case back and the Orion movement that um, is really beautiful to, to look at. One of the things I also wanna mention is the lugs of the watch actually have holes in them, which make um, switching out straps for this watch very easy so um, I love it I love it and I, if I if I had to recommend someone to someone a entry-level piece or a piece to get started I definitely recommend Nomos as I mentioned there'll be links in the show notes of this podcast for all the things that I've spoken about so you can check those out I encourage you to see up see the photos so you kind of understand what I'm sort of going through it's also some just really cool news um, uh, so uh, check out the, the, the show notes. Um, if you are new to Life on the Wrist, be sure to follow this podcast and you can check out us, us out on all of our social media accounts. You can just search Life on the Wrist and you'll definitely find us there. If you want to chat about anything that we've spoken about in this podcast, hit us up on Instagram. Love to, to hear from you. Um, and uh, if you are feeling generous and wouldn't mind reading this podcast, it really does help me out. With this said, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast and until next time.